Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We have now made our way to the state of Ohio. Regardless of the memes you see online, this state seemingly has some scary stories to be told. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today we're going to be sharing some creepy, and allegedly true, scary stories from Ohio. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share from your state, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net, or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going. Before we jump right into these stories, this episode was sponsored by the Fear Footage Trilogy. Hi Swamp Dweller, my name is Vince. I've had a lifelong fascination with the paranormal, especially the topic of UFOs. For years I've always wanted my own UFO experience, but to my dismay it never happened. That is until about six years ago. We were currently living in a new house. This new house is only five minutes from the house we moved out of. My daily routine at this point was to work my 9 to 5 job, then come home, eat, then work on the old house to get it ready to sell. One night, after a very long and rough night of working on the house, I was on my way home when I saw something in the sky that routinely was not there. I stopped to watch the object, only to see it not move. Now, realize this is around 1am. It's not a hot air balloon, especially since I've never seen one in my area of Ohio. What I was looking at was oval. It was wider than it was tall. The object, as many people explain, was not giving off light, but was illuminated. I was incredibly tired. I almost wanted to shrug it off, but I could not. Not only was it way too bizarre, but what I've been wanting to see for the last 48 years. My first and so far only UFO sighting. To say I felt spooked would be an understatement. I got back into my car and drove the short thousand feet or so to get to my driveway in safety of home. I knew there were details I couldn't see because of the way the craft was illuminated. Then it dawned on me. Nobody's going to believe me. 
So at 1.30 a.m. on a school night, I went into the house and scared my daughter and son by waking them up to witness what was in the sky. I hoped to God it would still be there. And sure enough, it was sitting there, right where I had left it. I am covered in goosebumps just recalling my daughter's reaction. My son was a huge skeptic, even at the age of 12 years old when he witnessed it. Looking back, I know it was fear. He stayed out with us for about a minute or two, then went back inside. My daughter and I were almost speechless. It was beautiful in a way. We both agreed that it gave us this feeling of dread or fear, like we were not supposed to be seeing this. Then it struck me. I should grab my binoculars. I happened to own a pair, and they were right inside. I did most of the boxing for the move, so I know exactly where they were. I grabbed the binoculars and was stunned at what I saw. The best I could describe it is, is that it looked very old on the bottom. Like it was made from old iron-clad ships from long, long ago. Pounded out metal, like the rivets and seams. The top looked very modern, I guess you could say. I remembered it had something that resembled levers on the back, like some sort of thing that you would see on old cars. I also remember the top almost being shaped like a genie's lamp. My daughter looked through the binoculars and had a very similar description. Then I saw something that freaked me out even more. It now looked as though the craft was sitting on a long, thin, yellowish pedestal. I couldn't figure out what I was seeing. I gave the binoculars to my daughter, who was 16 at the time, and asked her to explain to me what she saw at this moment. What has changed? I could hear the absolute fright and quiver in her voice. I'll never forget what she said. D Dad, there's a beam of light coming out from under whatever that is. I'm scared, Dad. I think we should go in. We both could not shake that feeling of fright. That feeling, we should have never seen what we did that night. Both of our bedroom windows faced out directly where this craft had been seen. I found out later, my daughter stayed up until the morning on live video chat with her friends, absolutely terrified. After showering, I laid in bed exhausted, but overwhelmed by what we just saw. It was at this point that I noticed the craft was moving, but at such a slow rate it was undetectable until I was able to compare it to something stationary, which was vertical to my windowsill. I will never forget that dull, eerie pale yellow light this craft illuminated. I forgot to mention that if you held out your arm, the craft was slightly longer than the width of your arm, which would be quite large, I was told later by some friends. Eventually, the craft traveled out of sight and I crashed from my exhaustion. I was a welder, and I knew I was going to pay the price for being up all night. It was totally worth it. When I got home the following morning, I called MUFON. My story must have been quite credible because I had a MUFON field representative at my door within 24 hours of my phone call. The representative from MUFON was extremely talented in showing me what was naturally in the sky. It was a very clear night with no moon and just stars. I was able to get a few pictures of what I saw, but being as it was nighttime and I had a lousy flip phone at the time, the pictures were not very good, except for sizing and positioning of the craft, which strangely... I was never really informed of. I had planned on giving my UFO case number, but I have just found out you now need to have a paid membership to access this information. If you are an active member of that website, look up Brunswick, Ohio 2013 UFO sighting. I'm pretty sure the month was April. Thank you, Swamp Dweller. Almost every single night I walk my two dogs in the woods 
always between 11.30 and 1 a.m. I'm addicted to being spooked, and I listen to every story you put out. Although I walked armed, someday, I'm going to get what I'm looking for. A gun is not going to help. If I ever see a gray, an alien, or whatever, it's all over. So this is the first time I've ever shared a story with any of the narrators I listen to at night for my bedtime stories. This story is 100% true, and it takes place in Cincinnati, Ohio, specifically Claremont County. So I'm a female, I'm 31 years young now, and this happened in 2006, so at the time I was about 17 years old, going on 18. My boyfriend, we will call him Martin, my friend we will call Alice, and her boyfriend, who we will call Neil, are the ones involved in this unexplained event. So for some background first, there is an abandoned cabin in the middle of the woods, and you can only really get to it by walking at a mile or so. There are abandoned cars, an ambulance, some tractors, and other random vehicles. Kind of like a school bus, I think, is also there. They're all covered in gunshots and stuff like that. There is not an even path to drive a vehicle back there, so I'm actually confused how they all got there in the first place. If there was, we would be walking a mile one way to get there, and not through the woods like we have been all these years. So we're not sure how they got there. Anyways... My boyfriend and I had gone with two other friends before our encounter, and it were creepy, but not compared to what happened when we went with Alice and Neil. So, on our previous trip, we went with our friends Tracy and John. Tracy and I went upstairs, and we had a Ouija board. We just asked random questions. I can't even remember what they were. They were undoubtedly stupid. What I do remember is it spelled out the word hooey. We said goodbye on the board, and we were looking around upstairs, which was just an attic, I think. We found a bunch of kids' socks on the wall. It was random and weird. We got startled when an alarm clock started ticking out of nowhere. It wouldn't stop, so I smashed it to pieces, and that was that. We walked downstairs, where the boys were, and made our way back outside. We found a creepy well that was covered up, and then suddenly, we heard that alarm clock start ticking again. But I know I had broken it, so that kind of spooked us. But I guess that's nothing major, right? We saw an outdoor cellar, so we tried to go inside. There was a girl's boot down there, with a bone inside of the shoe. So I was like, okay, we're done, we need to leave. So my boyfriend and I were telling Alice and Neil about this cabin, and what happened, when Tracy and John came with us. So we decided we were going to go later that day. So, the day this encounter happened, Martin, Neil, Alice, and I went to the lake, packed a cooler with food and drinks, and spent probably five hours or so at the lake, and ate and just hang out. We left the lake, stopped at Alice and Neil's house, dropped the cooler off which was in the trunk of the car. This is important for later. After getting everything out of the trunk from our lake trip, we headed to my boyfriend's parents' house, where we parked the car and began our hour walk. We had flashlights and that was it. The walk was very uneventful. We had to walk through two huge drainage tunnels to get to this cabin as well. So we made it there and it wasn't dark out yet, but it seemed different this time. I'm not sure how to really explain it, but it was just different. But we did come later in the day than previously, 
So I was like, whatever, it's probably just my nerves. Just like last time when we got inside, A and I were going upstairs. I wanted to show her the socks on the wall, and I also wanted to check on the clock that I broke last time. As we started to go up the stairs, there was a big crash, like something was thrown or knocked over. Alice gets freaked out, and then out of nowhere, she books it outside, back down the creek yelling at Martin, Neil, and myself to come with her. I go chasing after her, and she's in tears having a full-blown panic attack, saying something. Finally, I get that she saw someone looking in the window at us. We tell all the guys and literally nobody is around, only the four of us. Since she's so distraught, we decide to go ahead and leave. So as we are making our way down the creek bed, heading back the same way we came, which is the only way there, Martin and Neil are kicking over these huge rocks. We stop and realize that there are huge rocks, I'd say boulders, standing right up in a line the entire way down the creek bed. They couldn't have been there not even 20 minutes prior, because we had just noticed them now and we had to come through here earlier. So this seriously freaked all of us out. This is not normal, and this is not natural. So we picked up the pace and start to haul ass out of there. We make it to the first drainage tunnel. We turn on our flashlights. Literally none of them will turn on. Four flashlights that worked perfectly fine on the way there, and now none of them will work. What is happening? So 30 minutes later, we're back at my boyfriend's parents' house, where Alice and Neil's car is parked. Alice gets in the car because at this point, she's just ready to go home and forget this ever even happened. The rest of us are still outside the car. Alice suddenly gets out of the car screaming and jumping up and down and flying around like a bat out of hell. She is covered in ants. We are like, what the actual heck is going on? So we look and they're coming from the back seat from the trunk. Neil opens the trunk of his car and laying in the trunk is this huge, rusty, extremely old wool sock covered in ants. Now remember what I said earlier in the story. We had been in and out of the trunk all day and there was nothing in the trunk when we left their house from dropping off the cooler. Now there is a wool sock covered in ants that was covering their car. This was too much for any of us to wrap our heads around. We have never been back there, and I personally will never go back there myself. So it turns out, the man who used to live in that cabin was named Hubert, and he was often called Huey. My boyfriend had been to the cabin once before I went, and he found these journals there. The man was an alleged child molester. His journals went on into detail about his urges, and I'm not even going to touch on that. But again, this story is 100% true, and it was honestly the one and only time I've ever encountered something like this. I will never go back to that cabin, ever. Even to this day, talking about it gives me goosebumps. I can't explain what happened that day. I have no idea what Alice saw that scared her so bad in the window. But I do know, boulders do not stand straight up on their own like that. Nobody could have done it that fast to scare us either. Nobody could have messed with our four flashlights, and nobody could have put that old, dirty, ant-infested wool sock in Alice and Neil's car. If you are ever wandering through the woods and come across a random cabin, just leave it alone. You never know who lived there, what they did, and who or what may still be there. Unfortunately, I learned the very hard and unsettling way. Thank you for taking the time to share my story, and hopefully it was worth reading. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When I was seven years old, my family went to Cedar Point Amusement Park in Ohio. I wasn't exactly a popular kid at my school, so it would be nice to go back to school and tell my classmates about my trip. We left early in the morning and got there around noontime. I was so excited to go on the big roller coasters and fun rides for the big kids. Unfortunately, as a small elementary school student of below average size, I wasn't big enough to ride anything that exciting, which only makes this experience stick out in my memory like a sore thumb. During a rather slow part of the day, my parents decided to get rid of their annoying, hyper child by letting me go on a cart ride by myself. For reference, the layout of this ride was basically two tracks that wound through a wooded circuit. There were various random stop points along the track, and I had a chance encounter with a total creep at one of these stops. As I approached the second to last stop on the track, I noticed another cart waiting to continue its merry way. In the car sat a middle-aged man with graying hair, who I would estimate to be between 45 or 50 years old. He had an awkward behemoth of a haircut that resembled a three-way crossover between a comb-over, a perm, and an afro. Even as a young man, I found it a bit odd that a grown man, not an employee, was on a kid's family ride with no kids in sight. After about three seconds of waiting, I felt like I was being watched. I glanced over my right shoulder and found myself in the brown gaze of the man. He had an odd, pained grin plastered on his face. I looked away, a little bit off-put by this guy, this strange-looking man. He stared at me, barely blinking and almost for a full minute straight, before my cart continued down the track. His never moved from where I first saw it. I just assumed he was crazy and I didn't tell my parents, assuming that it was no big deal. I still get the shivers remembering that simple yet terrifying expression on his face and wonder what would have happened if I got stuck there with him. I don't want to find out for myself. When I was a little kid, I was pretty much fearless. I was out catching snakes barehanded before I was even in first grade. I got in lots of fights because I never backed down from older bullies. I once climbed up the outside of a five-story building when I was in second grade just because I looked at the blocks in the corner and thought, I could probably climb that. When I was in fourth grade, I lived in a small, little one-horse town in Ohio, population of roughly 1,500. It was the kind of small town where everyone knows everyone else and everyone knows everybody's business. When I was in fourth grade, my older sister, by two and a half years, and I went out trick-or-treating. This is back in the days when you could go out trick-or-treating so long that you would have to come home and dump your bag out at some point before going back out. Everything was going completely normal, and we were having a great time, although she and I don't really get along usually. 
We came up to a house and knocked on the door. A woman answered the door. Before we could even say trick-or-treat, I was hit with such a wave of absolute terror I immediately turned and ran as fast as I could. When I got about a block away, my fear had subsided, and I realized I had left my sister behind. When I turned around, she was running towards me at about 30 paces behind. I was embarrassed to admit that I had been scared for seemingly no reason. Honestly, I can't even tell you why. I asked her, why did you run away? She didn't seem to realize that I had run away before her and looked bewildered and simply said, I don't know, I was just scared for my life. Having her admit her fear allowed me to admit mine as well. I have been in many near-death situations, and more than once I have thought that I was going to die, but I have never, ever in my life felt such complete terror, and neither of us had any explanation for it. This wasn't some haunted house on the edge of the town, it was just a normal house on a normal street. The woman that answered did not say or do anything that could have frightened us. She did not look very threatening or creepy. She just looked like any other average housewife that would have been living in the town at the time. To my recollection, she did not say or do anything at all. She simply opened the door, and the moment we saw her, we were filled with such complete and utter terror. I have no explanation for this, nor does my sister. I know the story might not seem that crazy, but honestly, it's just completely unexplainable. If anybody who listens to the show might have any ideas what this could be, please let me know in the comments. Okay, so my best friend and I were in college and would try to find some haunted places around our hometown here in Columbus. He went to Ohio University, so when I was up there, we would venture out to the ridges and this was an old TB warden stuff. We never had any experiences other than just the genuine creepiness and heaviness of the pain and suffering that took place in those buildings. One evening we were back in Columbus and looking for a place to go visit. We had been to the Confederate Cemetery, Greenlawn Cemetery, and on the way, on the South End, we would go to a place called Wally Burger. It's an old cemetery that supposedly is haunted by a Sasquatch type of animal. Of all those places, again, not a single thing happened. So we both lived close to this old farmhouse and on a website it said that once you go upstairs all the power on your electronic devices go out. I said that there is no way, so I had to bring an LED flashlight and my buddy had one of those big mag lights. We went to Kroger and bought brand new batteries for each of them. We also made sure our phones were completely charged all the way. So, we park at the school and follow the fence line to the house. The doors were boarded up, but you could get in by the window. We specifically packed a light, cell phone, knife, car keys, just in case we ran into a homeless guy or something like that or needed to run. Not to say homeless people are bad, but I've had some pretty sketchy run-ins with some dangerous people. So, we get in the house, and he turns his light on and it works out fine. I turn my flashlight on and it's perfect too. I laugh and tell him the urban legend is full of it. We quickly canvassed the downstairs parlor together in the living room. He moved into the kitchen and I decided to put it to the test. As I began to walk up the stairs, my light is fine. No problems at all. Then, and I swear I will take this to my gravest truth, the second I get upstairs, my light goes haywire. Not just off and flickering, no. It's absolutely, completely dead. 
I yell for my friend to come up here, and he sprints up the stairs and the exact same thing happens to him. His mag light is dead too. At this point, we decide that we have seen enough, and we head home. I wish I would have been able to record it, or have tangible evidence, but I swear this story is true. This story happened around 2001 or 2002, an incident that had been long forgotten about after listening to your show daily. I'm a delivery driver. It brought back this memory and made me realize how weird and dangerous the situation could have actually been. At the time, I lived in southern Ohio in a small town. We lived about 45 minutes outside of a small town in the middle of nowhere where seeing people on the roads or in the area was extremely uncommon. We had one neighbor about a quarter mile down the road, to the right, and then a large Amish family who lived a few miles in the opposite direction. At the time, I was around 12 years old. I was outside in my football gear taking the dog out to the bathroom and messing around in the yard practicing for my game later that morning. Now, to describe the area a bit more, to help understand things better, we lived on a large farmland we rented that sat on about 150 acres. If you followed the road, you would eventually come to the Amish family's home, which was up a small hill about a hundred yards. That direction, the road made a sharp right turn into a heavily wooded area where you could not see the road or anything other than trees. With it being such an empty area, you couldn't see much, but it was so quiet you could hear cars coming well before seeing them. This is a short story, but the details I'm going to give you help explain why this situation bothers me so much now, so please bear with me. As I'm outside, I look up the road to see a man hobbling down the road in our direction. He sees me and waves. I yell for my mom as it's just me and her home at the time. It was rare to see someone walking so far out in the middle of nowhere on this road. As he gets closer, I can see that he seems to be in pain, and his clothes that he wore were rather ripped up. My mom comes outside just about the time he gets to the house. He begins saying he was just in an accident around the turn there and needs help. He asks if he can come inside and use the phone and sit down. My mom says she will grab the phone and he can sit on the chair on the porch and rest. He asks again to come in the house and tries to reassure her there will be no problems. He's just in a lot of pain and wants to rest. My mom gets a strange look on her face and says he cannot come in the house. She is not comfortable with that and that he can stay on the porch while she fetches the phone from the house. He reluctantly does, and Mom shoots me a glance that I took as keep an eye on him. At this time, I was young, but I had hit a growth spurt early in life, and with being only 12-ish, I was roughly 6'1", pushing 300 pounds. This man was 5'10", if he was lucky and rather skinny. As she's inside, I'm looking at him. Though his clothes are torn and raggedy, it does not look like it was an accident. There was also no blood, no cuts, not a single mark anywhere in his body. He starts to ask if anyone was home, as he's looking into our door, kind of peeking around, and looks around the area, and I say no, but my dad should be home any minute. My mom comes back out and tells him the cordless phone is dead, and she will use the old rotary phone. My dad refused to get rid of it. She asked if he would like her to call 911, or any of his family for help. The man says, I'll just come in and make the call to his friend. They could tow his car. He starts walking to the door and my mom says he is not welcome to come in. 
He then asks if he could just come in to use the bathroom. He really needs to pee. Again, my mom says no, and he's welcome to walk across the street to the bushes and pee. He then asks to come in the house to grab a glass of water. My mom says she'll grab it, and then he needs to sit back down. With a huff of frustration, the man does what my mom asks of him. When she comes back, she comes back with a glass of water and my dad's shotgun and places it by the door on the inside of the house, not trying to hide it at all. And the man sees this, and I watch his eyes become wide and starts to become very fidgety. She comes out to hand him the glass of water and asks who she can call for him. The man stands up and says he will be fine and not to worry. He'll figure it out and walks away in the direction he came from. My mom watches and asks me a few questions and says, he was making her feel very uncomfortable. I didn't really understand what was going on and was worried that the man was not going to be okay. He said he flipped his car and came to a stop against the trees. My mom said something felt off and asked if I had heard anything before he showed up. I said no, things were actually pretty silent, as they always were. Never heard a car coming or anything. She stares for a few seconds and tells me to stay outside for a little longer to keep an eye out until dad gets home which should be any minute now. She mentioned if the man comes back that she's leaving the shotgun by the door and if I see him to grab it and yell for her. I'm confused at this point, but I tell her I will, and she goes inside. I watch as the man goes around the turn disappearing. About a minute later, my dad comes around that same turn and gets home. I go to him and tell him what had just happened, and I only got a couple of words in till my mom comes out and start explaining it all. After she was done, he asked what direction he was in. She tells him which way he went, and he gets a very confused look on his face. My mom asks what it is, and my dad begins to say that he just came from that area, and there was no man and no vehicle anywhere in that direction. Nothing at all. It was all normal, and there were no usual or unusual signs at all, honestly. Mom gets a worried look on her face, and they go inside, and that was the end of the situation for me. I have no idea what they talked about inside, if they called anyone or whatnot. I almost immediately forgot about it. All until, honestly, I was about 30 years old. I never really thought of it until a couple of weeks ago, when hearing a story on your channel which triggered the memory. I asked my dad if he remembered it, but of course he didn't. He has a terrible memory, and it wasn't a situation he was really a part of. My mom passed a few months ago, so I don't have the chance to talk to her about it. But thinking about this now... I can't help but wonder what was really going on. Why was he trying so hard to get inside the house? Was he going to rob us? Was he trying to hurt my mom? Or was the man telling the truth and became scared at the sight of a shotgun? If I was being honest, I have no idea where he went, where the accident was. It doesn't make any sense to me. It has me trying to figure it all out. What do you guys think? Were we in danger? Or did we just scare the man who had just possibly had a deadly accident? Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories sent in from Ohio. As always, if you have a story from your state that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's very helpful. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? 
Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day at all things natural and supernatural. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating over there, as it's helping us a ton to grow. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite scary stories from the swamp no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free to do so. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. I'd have to either say story one or two were my favorite this time. If you would like to support the swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving us a five-star rating on iTunes, maybe check out the merch store. We have face masks, hoodies, t-shirts, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. Be sure to join me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.